Hello and welcome to the Megabyte CEO Monthly Barometer. The idea of this show is uh, for me to summarise Megabyte's research over the last month and to pull together all of the key themes and trends that we've seen and try and extrapolate that to try and understand what's going to happen going forward. And indeed, it's been a very busy month again for the team at Megabyte. Uh, the guys have conducted over 40 uh, meetings and, and interviews with the management teams of companies we track at Megabyte. And on the back of that, and also all of the desk research that we do, uh, we've, we've published nearly 170 uh, individual pieces of news analysis, company analysis, and market opinion. Added over 60 deals to our database and analyzed all the financial aspects, including valuation on those deals. And our team has had um, over 20 analyst access uh, assignments ranging from individual calls with some of our private equity and corporate subscribers to talk about individual companies of interest or areas of the market that are of interest through to larger projects where we might be um, helping companies with their strategy to benchmark their financial performance and strategy against other relevant companies or uh, to help companies with their M&A strategy or to help our, uh, our private equity and advisor subscribers with their origination in particular parts of the market. Of course, all of our written research and the data that we provide is available on our, on our platform to our subscribers. But over the next 20 minutes to half an hour, I'm going to summarize some of that in really four key areas. I want to give my usual update of market activity and, and wow, what a month it's been, particularly on the capital markets. I'll talk about um, share price trends, valuation trends, M&A and private equity trends as we've seen here in the UK and the broader international context to that. I want to drill into the IPO market here in the UK because that continues to be a very interesting topic and also look at some of the go forward trends in corporate activity as we go into 2021. I want to um, talk about the trading and results we've seen um, in the megabyte universe and in particular, it's been an interesting period for enterprise software results and also for digital services. So I'm going to spend a bit of time talking about those. And I want to wrap up fourthly with um, a bit of insight um, into a topic that's been very heavily written about by us and others in terms of this digital acceleration as a result of uh, digital acceleration of digital disruption as a result of COVID-19, and I want to try and break that down a little bit and uh, and help uh, help you guys understand what. Uh, what we think about that and how that might influence your strategy. And we do think, by the way, now is it in, imperative pretty much for companies to be thinking about their strategy as a result of what's happened during this year um, for the long term, thinking about how they address that for the long term. So looking at uh, market activity and corporate activity over the last month, the biggest, uh, most prominent feature has been a sharp rebound in capital markets, both sides of the Atlantic after a pretty poor performance in October. And I'll talk about some of the uh, data around that. Overall corporate activity here in the UK technology sector has continued to improve and we've seen a particularly strong recovery over the last couple of months in mid-market private equity activity. It was a bit of a quieter month for M&A November in the UK tech sector, but uh, we don't read too much into that in terms of the underlying trend, and we still think the underlying, uh, the underlying trajectory for M&A activity in the UK market is strong. And we're definitely continuing to see some good signs of, of uh, confidence in the UK IPO market, and I'll spend a bit of time talking about that. Looking first then at the, uh, the stock market indices, uh, both here and in the US, Two key themes really were driving markets uh, during November. Uh, it wasn't really uh, a, a tech-led uh, re recovery or tech-led uh, strength during November. It was more to do with macro themes. Firstly, the 
as the market saw it, the satisfactory, uh, satisfactory uh, resolution to the US election, which had weighed on markets during October, but possibly more importantly, really, really positive news about uh, forthcoming vaccines for COVID-19 has had a really, really positive effect on markets, both sides of the Atlantic. Here in the UK, looking at the technology sector, uh, our megabyte universe index of 100 or so UK listed tech stocks was up 10% during uh, during November having been down about 5% in October. And that has meant in terms of valuation that the, uh, the average valuation now for those companies on, an, on a market cap weighted basis is 19 times. And we look at software valuations now trading at an average of 24 times, current year EV EBITDA, historically high levels. Um, and within the ICT and digital services sector, we see an average of 12 and a half times current year EV EBITDA. Interestingly, the software multiples are now 10% roughly above their pre-COVID high, whereas the ICT and digital services multiples are still about 10% below their pre-COVID high. Perhaps counterintuitive that given uh, the strength of ICT and digital services trading, given that they were providing a lot of the uh, services and saw a mini boom, if you like, from the working from home trend. Uh, the UK market context for that is that the FTSE 250 was also up significantly in November, up 12%. And uh, you know, that just shows that it was a broadly based um, uh, recovery in the UK markets. And the NASDAQ as well was also up 12% in the US, the tech heavy NASDAQ. Um, so it's just been a very, very strong market, a strong month for markets generally. So turning to the detail of some of the corporate activity transactions we've seen in the UK tech sector across capital markets, M&A, and private equity. Uh, we've seen a total, with the, the guys recorded a total of 61 deals on our database in uh, November. Um, that's down significantly from 86 in the, uh, in the previous uh, year, in November 2019. The, the difference there can be entirely explained by M&A activity, and I'll touch on uh, what, what's behind that and why we think, as I said earlier, that's not necessarily indicative of the underlying, the underlying trend. Starting first with capital markets, a really quiet month actually in November for capital markets activity uh, in, in the UK. Just two follow-on public offerings from uh, companies we track at Megabyte in the tech sector. The big deal really was Bytes Group. Uh, that is a deal that's still going on and actually just as we went into December, the pricing was announced for that and I'll talk about a bit about that when I'm talking about IPO markets shortly. Um, so the trend there is, is that we're seeing a, a significantly fewer follow-on public offerings than we saw immediately uh, in the, uh, when the pandemic started as, as uh, companies were, were building their balance sheets to, uh, to, uh, to ward against the, the dangers of, of, of the pandemic and the downturn from the pandemic, etc. That's almost dropped to zero now and we are seeing an uptick in IPOs and I'll talk about that later. Private equity, very busy month for private equity. 27 uh, transactions recorded on our database compared to 24 in the same month in 2019. Uh, 20 growth capital transactions up from 18. A total of 300 million raised. That was down at a headline number from 600 million raised in uh, December, sorry, November 2019 in growth capital deals. But one of those deals last year was 350 million. So we think the overall trend, underlying trend in growth in capital growth capital deals is, is strong. Pick out a couple of interesting deals to, to, to focus on. I think the most interesting one in the month was Hopin. Got a lot of press. This is, a, this is a, 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 an online events platform. It was only founded in 2020 and has just raised just under 100 million sterling at about, a, I think, about a 1.3, 1.4 billion sterling valuation. Incredible story. I'll touch on that again later when we're talking about digital disruption. 
Congenica in the, uh, in the health tech space, that is a clinical decision support platform raising um, 39 million. Again, health tech's a really vibrant part of growth capital at the moment um, related to sort of accelerated digital disruption. We're seeing a lot of deal flow there across all size ranges in the growth capital stage. Um, Paddle has raised 51 million in the revenue delivery platform selling to SaaS businesses. Uh, Harbor data, enterprise data exchange raising 29 million. And a Rails Bank, which is a fintech, B2B fintech, uh, which describes itself as bank as a service into the wholesale banking market, raised 29, sorry, 28 million sterling. So these are really interesting, quite chunky uh, growth capital deals across the piece, but really highlighting some of those key digital disruption areas of collaboration and events, health tech, uh, uh, fintech, and, and data that we're seeing as those kind of SaaS 2.0 kind of um, epicenters, if you like, if you can have more than one epicenter, I'm not sure you can. As I said earlier on, one of the big themes we think, or not we think, we know for November was a continuing recovery in mid-market private equity. These are deals, uh, private equity as opposed to venture capital deals. Uh, two, two significant secondary buyouts in the month. One, Babel Cloud, where LDC sold most of its stake, retained some stake to Graphite Capital. That is a, uh, an ICT services business in the unified comms space. And Agilitas IT services in the IT infrastructure services uh, peer group. Uh, that we both we think both of those deals were about 90 million enterprise value, both um, really positive deals in the sense that um, strong businesses, uh, good investments for the incoming investors, um, really good exits for the outgoing investors, uh, and you know just really interesting to see that kind of um, activity getting uh, stronger and stronger. Five management buyouts also in that mid-market space. Again, uh, same as the same period last year. So we're seeing that activity level get back to where we think it should be. Uh, I'd pick out one deal in management buyouts which was Apps Capital's carve out of TerraQuest out of Mears, as we think um, it was a £72 million uh, deal, three and a half times sales. I think as well as being an interesting management buyout, technically a carve out, so I suppose we, we categorise it as a management buyout. Um, we are seeing more businesses, uh, non-tech and tech businesses, really thinking about what they are doing and where they add value in the structure of their businesses and carve outs. Are, there have been a few. The most high-profile one is the arguably Capita's education software business, which is, uh, which is uh, Montague now is is in exclusivity according to press reports. I know I think sorry Capita didn't did actually announce that. Uh, some debate about what the valuation is going to be on that, and there's been some challenges around that transaction. But the point remains, I think, valid that carve out is quite an interesting area at the moment. So mid-market private equity, very strong. No public to privates in the month. Um, you know, I had early on in the pandemic, I'd expected to see more of this because I expected more of a valuation impact from the fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic. Clearly, that hasn't happened. There is no justification really for uh, private equity firms to be looking at public to privates at the moment, given the heightened valuations on the capital market. So we don't see that changing anytime soon. There might be one or two on the margins, but fundamentally that is not a trend we see uh, developing in uh, 2021. So a very vibrant period for private equity in uh, the month of November. So to complete our roundup of corporate activity in the UK technology sector, a look at M&A activity, and as I've mentioned, deal volumes were down significantly in November 2020 compared to November 2019, actually broadly flat on uh, October 2020. Uh, we recorded 32 deals on our database, that was down from 58, so nearly half the year ago month. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I, I wouldn't read too much into that and I'll t t touch on that in terms of the underlying trend and I'll touch on why I think that's the case in a minute. 
couple of key themes to pick out with what's happened during November M&A. Uh, in October, we saw a particular concentration of deals within two parts of the market, enterprise software and IT and telecom services. Those are both still very vibrant parts of the market, uh, but we've seen a more broadly, broadly based spread of deals during November. Just to pick out a few, I mean, the big boy was the, uh, was the $44 billion acquisition of IHS market by S&P Global, and also in that kind of um, media tech information uh, space. Uh, futures uh, bid for GoCo was very interesting. Not a deal I necessarily, I think other people would necessarily have, have predicted and some, some kind of mixed reaction from shareholders about that deal, but an interesting kind of media versus kind of uh, digital platform merger if it happens. In the construction software market, interesting deal with NBS, which was a short hold for LDC, private equity hold. Uh, that was acquired by uh, Big Factor, a uh, business that does a similar thing to NBS in the Scandinavian market. Still active in telecom services, a couple of kind of fairly chunky deals in there. InfoBip acquired uh, Open Market, a part of the Amdocs business for $300 million. And interesting deal from Daisy buying Geocom. This is a, a division of Daisy, DWS Digital Wholesale Ser uh, Services Solutions, forgive me. Um, and um, uh, those of you who know Daisy, Daisy will know that it's going through a process of separating out its various constituent parts. And the deal that this deal I think was very interesting because it was sort of another step on that road for Daisy because it was very much DWS buying Geocom and not the broader group. So we expect to see that trend continue for Daisy during uh, 2021. And very clear from our research uh, by my colleague Philip Cass on that deal that Daisy and DWS continuing to look for acquisition targets in that part of the market. Continues to, to, continues to be busy with an enterprise software and, and government and healthcare software. And we saw Access Group, which uh, obviously has been a, uh, a very substantial acquirer of businesses here in the UK and in, in Australia and New Zealand getting back on the M&A trail after doing its own private equity transaction during October. Uh, they acquired a business called Unleashed in, uh, in New Zealand. Uh, that was another reasonably chunky deal, we think uh, around 50 to 80 million in value. And um, Civica also in that part of the market, building its presence in, in the education sector with Parago and Agilia, two small bolt-on acquisitions for them. Last but definitely not least, uh, continu continuing consolidation in the payment space with PayPoint acquiring HandyPay and Merchant Bank. So good broad spread of deals. Um, and the, um, the, uh, the, the trend there, as I say, is, po is positive. And why do I think that? Well, just anecdotally talking to our subscribers and advisors and investors, there is a, very, there is a lot of, of M&A search, search activity going on at the moment. Anecdotally, you know, one of the things we do for our subscribers is, is what we just call M we call M&A discovery, which takes the basic data we have on our platform and then, in, and then enriches that using our sector knowledge to provide targets, M&A targets for companies. And we're doing four simultaneous exercises of that in that uh, uh, of those at the moment uh, across ICT services and enterprise software, uh, and that just gives you an idea of that people are really looking, companies are really looking to kick on with their M&A strategies as we go into 2021. So, I don't see this slightly weaker month in November as being symptomatic uh, of a, uh, a weakness in the M&A market. Quite the opposite. Before I close on this particular section, I have to mention the, the kind of the mega deal that just broke actually or, or announced this morning and uh, was rumored last week, that is uh, Salesforce buying Slack. I think this is a fascinating deal on, on a number of levels. Uh, you know, uh, just a few deal details, you know, Salesforce is paying 31 times sales for Slack, 
31 times sales, current year sales for Slack. So it's paying 10% of its market cap. I forget the exact deal value, 25-ish billion dollars. And um, that is 10% roughly of Salesforce's market cap to acquire 4% of, uh, or, uh, to add 4% to its revenue. So a dilutive deal in that sense if a revenue multiple can be dilutive. And just the strategic rationale is fascinating. So would Slack, would uh, Salesforce have done that deal 12 months ago? Almost certainly not. You know, the rise of collaboration, the importance of collaboration as exemplified by uh, the rise of Teams and Microsoft's strength in that and others, Zoom, etc. But particularly Microsoft with Teams, Salesforce has obviously felt that it just needs to, it cannot afford not to be in that space. It's a big boy move. It's a bold move, as we often see from Salesforce. It's bought one of the market leaders for a very chunky price. So we'll see whether it works financially for Salesforce. But from a strategic perspective, I absolutely see why they've done that deal. So uh, that concludes our roundup of, of the corporate activity. In the next section, I just want to uh, spend a bit more time talking about the UK IPO market and then, and then briefly touch on the outlook for corporate activity as we see it for 2021. So in this section, I want to talk in a little bit more detail about the UK IPO market before I go on to summarise what we think uh, the corporate activity outlook uh, feels like for 2021. Um, as I've mentioned and we've talked about again for the last couple of months, the UK, the UK IPO market has been showing increasing signs of confidence over the last couple of months and that continued to be the case during November. Um, actually not a lot in terms of actual transactions but um, de definitely quite a lot more that seems to be happening in terms of companies coming to the market over the coming months and I'll talk a little bit about that. Two kind of key themes I think to talk about. Um, uh, in terms of the types of companies coming to the market, uh, cybersecurity and digital, and I'll touch on on uh, on uh, you know what we think is happening with those two areas. But in the first instance, just talk a little bit about Bytes Group in the IT infrastructure services space. This is an IPO that's been coming through and we've been aware of for some weeks now. Uh, still hasn't actually started trading yet, but um, just this morning they announced pricing for that deal. It's a reminder, it's, a, it's a, a, an IT infrastructure services player, a reseller here in the UK market with a broad range of, of services. Um, and it's a spin-out from a South African, larger South African group called Ultron. And uh, that's going to come to the market at about 600 million market value. And that's going to translate to an EV EBITDA multiple um, of about uh, high teens, let's put it that way, on a current year basis, which I think is... Um, you know, it's high by historical standards, but actually when you look at, I talked earlier about the average multiple for the whole um, a market of, of 19 times, high relative to the ICT services, uh, ICT services average of 12 and a half times, but significantly lower than uh, SoftCat, which is probably the nearest comparable to the businesses are definitely not the same. Um, there's significant similarities in my view between the two. SoftCat trading on a mid-20s EV EBITDA multiple. So look, we're not here to, I'm not here to comment on, on, on the valuation um, of an ongoing transaction, but you know, it feels like that kind of ballpark figures about where it should be. Um, in terms of the go forward position, lots of press about Dark Trace. We've been talking about this for a few months now. Uh, that really looks like it's coming, uh, going to come to fruition in the first part of next year. Uh, the valuation that's talked about in the press seems to be going up and up every time we hear about it. The last one was five billion, which by our calculation is 25 times current year revenue. That is uh, that is a punchy number even for a high growth cybersecurity business. So. I wonder perhaps whether the PR people have got a bit ahead of themselves on that. Who knows? Um, 
you know, we want that, we really need that, want that to be a really successful IPO. So I hope they pitch that valuation at the right level to get it done. Um, and it'd be great to have Dark Trace on the London market. I think it'd be a really marquee deal to get, uh, to get next year going. Um, elsewhere, um, talk about digital. Uh, obviously, we've had the, the uh, IPO of Hut Group uh, uh, earlier on this year, a few months ago, which has been pretty successful. Although there's some controversy around the, the uh, voting structure, but let's not go down that bunny hole right now. Uh, fairly reliable press reports that Deliveroo, Trustpilot, and Pensionbee are all trying, are all looking at uh, coming to the market potentially in the coming weeks and months. Deliveroo, possibly a two billion valuation. Uh, Trustpilot, possibly an eight hundred uh, million valuation. A bit more of a stalwart of the uh, digital world. Trustpilot, um, Danish headquartered business with a significant uh, presence in the UK market. Pensionbee's been around about five years, and actually, I looked up their accounts and uh, company's house uh, the other day. They've only delivered historically about three and a half million of revenue, but it has grown incredibly rapidly this year. So I'm not sure that's a particularly relevant statistic, and a really interesting business that is a platform where you can aggregate uh, your uh, personal pension pots. And uh, that's talking about a 300 million valuation IPO. So we'll see what happens there. So that whole digital thing, I think, is going to be a big theme for the next for the next 12 months and beyond, uh, in line with all the digital disruption we've been talking about. Going the other way, interestingly, just as an aside note, is Blue Prism, uh, um, it, you know, which is you know, one of the leaders in the um, in the automation space. Uh, that's the company that they uh, had a trading update or results, I'm not sure, and talked about a US listing for their for their uh, for their shares. Very strong react positive reaction to the share price on that basis. Um, that unfortunately has been uh, significantly dented by uh, subsequently by some uh, negative coverage from Shadowfall, one of these hedge fund um, um, short seller research uh, outfits. So that's that's put a dent in that positivity. Uh, the, 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 the reason I think uh, fundamentally that, uh, that uh, uh, Blue Prism are looking at an, an IPO in the US or listing their shares in the US is because they've continually had a significant discount in their valuation to the US peers, particularly UiPath, um, and that continues to be the case. So logic's there, whether they do it with all the shadowfall stuff going on, I don't know, we'll see, I hope they do. Uh, so, so that's a quick roundup of the IPO market. And I want to then just lead into uh, what we think, uh, just summarize what we think about the 2021 outlook for corporate activity. As you will have gathered from what I've been saying, we've got a very positive view on where that's, where that's all going. The, you know, when you think about the dynamics of where the market is right now, and you think about um, almost, almost nil interest rates, so lots of money chasing a return that they can't get from risk-free sources or low-risk sources, so really chasing growth. That's been a trend really since the global financial crisis over the last 10 years. Um, a, an industry that has moved in terms of the techn technology and digital industry that's moved from being resilient and feeling resilient to feeling uh, to, to a sense of renewed confidence we've seen in the last few weeks. Um, and that confidence um, is, is buoyed by the, the fact that the industry has performed so well during this tough year, but also that the digital disruption that's happened, uh, the accelerated digital disruption we're seeing is going to be another growth, yet another secular growth driver. So you've got wall of money chasing, uh, uh, you know, chasing a, a relatively small number of businesses, and that's going to lead to lots of corporate activity and, and, and a solid outlook for valuations. Perhaps our only slightly uh, note of caution is that some of the public company valuations have got very stretched, and we do wonder whether there's going to be a bit of a pullback in markets. Um, 
you know, there probably is going to be some kind of correction at some point, um, and uh, I think that seems likely. But we don't see that as a fundamental issue. We do think that uh, the uh, the dynamics are there to support continuing strong valuations. So that's a roundup of, of the IPO market. What we think. Um, what we think 2021 might look like at a high level. We'll be drilling into these themes in a lot more detail at Megabyte in Q1. I'll obviously be doing my uh, this show in January talking about some of this stuff. And also the guys and a team have already started talking about uh, looking at the barometer reports, these quarterly reports we do for subscribers, in going to a lot more granularity of what I've been talking about and looking forward at the 50 different subsectors we look at at Megabyte. That's going to be available in January with our round of uh, webinars uh, at the end of January as well for subscribers, so keep a lookout for those. I'll mention those a lot more during Q1. So that's it for this section. I'm going to come back and talk about uh, uh, trading and results um, in a minute. So I want to go on now to uh, talk about uh, results and trading uh, in the UK technology sector. And the team at Megabyte has, uh, has tracked and written about and, and analysed the results and trading updates of over 120 companies during November alone. And um, I want to just before I dive into some of the key themes and trends we're seeing there, just to highlight some of the really high quality uh, coverage and detailed analysis the guys have produced on some of the leading private tech companies in this country. Um, you know, the people like Wireless Logic, Innovation Group, Exponentially, ITRS, Iris Software, and many others where the guys have uh, had detailed conversations with the management team and, and done a great analysis on our platform uh, of those businesses and many more. Uh, that's just a sample. So if you're a subscriber to our service, I recommend that uh, you have a look at, uh, at some or all of that. Looking at the key themes, obviously too many results to mention in detail, but uh, two key themes I really want to, to, to focus on, enterprise software and digital services, uh, with the kind of wrapper there again talking about the accelerated digital transformation uh, that, is, uh, that, is, that is shaping so many aspects of our sector at the moment, from trading results to corporate activity. And I also want to touch on that in the sense of looking at loop-ups results, which were, I think, very telling. So to touch first on enterprise software, Really looking primarily at the Sage versus Zero discussion, which everyone will know, or you, most of you will know, is one of my favorite topics. Um, Sage, I've been vo vocally critical of their cloud strategy for many years and continue to be, although they do seem to be making up some ground of late. But the problem they've got is they've got anemic, almost non-existent growth now, and they're having to over-invest in their products to catch up. And that caught them a little bit uh, in November when they uh, resulted in a profit downgrade because of this extra investment, and that hit the shares. Contrast that now with Zero, uh, which uh, has been a, you know, one of the standout successes of the first chapter of the cloud era. And uh, that company also produced results uh, during November. 21% organic growth, admittedly down on the 30% growth they'd achieved previously, but still very strong. And because of various COVID factors, um, as well as some operational gearing in the business, underlying operational gearing, margins uh, grew significantly and profits almost doubled in the period. The, one of the key points, though, about all of this is that zero in the recent period is now generating higher margins than Sage. And you know, there, were, there were a significant number of people in the early days of the SaaS era saying, SaaS can never be the same kind of margin profile as, as, as on-premise uh, initial license fee software, and that clearly is nonsense. And I think that data point I talked about with Sage and Zero is just the clearest evidence you could possibly have of that. Um, 
and uh, you know, Xero's getting on with its chapter two strategy, as I've talked about before, some interesting M&A uh, that that company's done that's developing new services, SaaS 2.0 kind of stuff. Sage is still trying to get through SaaS 1.0. So um, you know, that's a story that's gonna run and run. But also some interesting results from other enterprise software vendors in the period. We covered, as I mentioned earlier, in some detail, Iris Software here in the UK, one of the biggest privately owned software companies. Interesting results there, conversation with the CEO. Um, into it in the US, 14% organic growth, kind of in the middle, doing a really good job of that, has done a really good job of that SaaS transition. And Workday um, in the HCM financial management, more in the mid-market space, uh, solid set of results from them with 18% growth. So continuing good performance in enterprise software, but that digital transformation kind of rift between uh, the, the, the weaker players and the stronger players. Similar theme, but different in digital transformation. And we've seen, um, we did see some weakness in this market uh, immediately at uh, the early stages of the pandemic. Um, you know, they're typically project-based businesses with limited visibility on revenue. And there was some issues with that as we had at the, the early days of the pandemic, but they're just coming back so strongly now. I mean, if you look at the UK listed businesses, um, the likes of Kanos announced results in, the, in, um, in November, 19% organic growth. Panoply, one of the newer players, acquisitive players in the, in the listed London market, 18% uh, growth. Endava, UK headquartered, but US listed, 17% growth. Um, and some of the UK private businesses we track, the guys have had conversations with this, this month with Objectivity and Sparta. Sparta, interestingly, recently invested in by Inflection, which did so well out of, so well out of FDM Group before it came back to the, the market a few years ago. And Sparta's a bit of a mini FDM. Those businesses, not growing rapid, super rapidly at the moment, but management teams talking very positively about the outlook for the next few years. And also just the majors in the US, the major SIs and digital services players in Europe and the US, just coming back very much more positive commentary around their trading results on the whole um, during the current quarter. And I think that bodes really well and just underlines this digital transformation acceleration that we've been talking about so much. But just to sort of underline that point to, to, to end this section, to talk about uh, LoopUp. So LoopUp, as many of you will know, is a conference calling business and was trundling along bit unfair, was doing pretty well in 2019, albeit we struggled to see the, a lot of long-term differentiation in their business model. Uh, they, like a lot of other people, had a real positive spike in their business in the early parts of the pandemic, um, early period of the pandemic. Um, but they announced results last week and fundamentally, as you've seen Teams and Zoom and all the stuff I've mentioned before, really taking off over the last few months, LoopUp's core business has um, effectively collapsed. Um, and the shares, uh, the shares dropped 50% in the day when they announced the results because it was really, I think people knew they were going to struggle, but it's just happened so much more quickly than people thought. Now, they have got a mitigation strategy loop up. They're focusing on the professional services market, and I'm sure that will, that will, that will help, but it's not, it's not going to fundamentally rescue the core business. And if ever you needed a... Uh, if you ever you needed a, a, a evidence of, of of how this digital trans tra transformation acceleration we're seeing can make changes to industries so quickly, uh, that 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 is the that is the, the the case study you should look at. And so that's a quick wrap up of the trading trading and, and, and results we've seen in the market over the last few weeks. Um, generally, very positive story, but that digital transformation trend becoming more and more evident, and that's what I'm going to talk about a bit more in the next section. So to wrap up this month's show, I wanted just to take a step back from all of the corporate activity and, and results analysis I've been, I've been talking through and um, give you some sense of why I think 
now is the, 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 the ideal time and actually is an important time to be evaluating strategy. Uh, we've got to the end of this tumultuous year, uh, which has seen uh, all manner of, 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 of appalling human consequences, but also this uh, ubiquitous discussion seemingly about accelerated digital transformation. And I just wanted to, to do kind of three things in this, sec in this segment before we wrap up. Um, just try and un unpick what we talk, why we think COVID has been a, an accelerant to digital transformation. Secondly, to, to, to pull together some of the examples that I've already referenced in the show about why, how, how this accelerated digital transformation can have tangible impacts on business and could have a tangible impact on your business, and then wrap up by thinking about why you should, why you should be thinking about this in your strategy and why it's so important. So just to think first about why digital acceleration, uh, accelerated digital transformation has resulted from COVID, just to take a step back from that, those of you who read our research and listen to the show will know that We've been talking for a while now, actually a couple of years, about this idea of chapter two, the next phase of, of the cloud era, if you like. We've been talking about that for a while. So it's, it's not that COVID has created that, but it has undoubtedly acted as a major accelerant. Why is that? Well, we think there are kind of three key elements to it. First is really this idea of cultural change, um, which has been well reported, but I think it's important to try and look at this stuff in, in a structured way. Um, you know, just the acceptance of digital technologies, both in a B2C and a B2B context, has been um, incredible this year. You think about um, uh, you think about the, the the step change in the use of e-commerce, which was which was pretty significant anyway. You think about areas where there hadn't been limited acceptance of digital tech digital technologies such as healthcare, moving on dramatically as a result of the pandemic, um, and lots of other areas that, that you can think about where in education and really across the whole economy where digital, um, digital communications and other aspects of digital transformation have become just accepted. Secondly, is not the, po the point about um, enhanced innovation is not really to do with uh, the pandemic per, per se, or indeed the lockdown, it's much more to do with the recession that it has created. Um, as we saw in the immediately post the, the dot-com crash the, in, in the early 2000s, and then certainly after the global financial crisis 10 years ago, there are always waves of innovation um, in, um, uh, in, in these periods of, of, of recession. And this, this period is gonna be no different, and we're already seeing signs of that with uh, more startups, different startups uh, coming along that will, I think, challenge the status quo. And then to, the third element, which sort of encompasses the first two to a degree, is, uh, is, is, is customer acceptance, customer experimentation with, with, with new technologies and digital technologies um, as, as a result of the, the recession, just the, 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 uh, the perception in the market that it is okay to do things differently at periods like this of, of major disruption and upheaval. And we, we've got 200 or so customers across the technology sector, investors and advisors, and we see this in our own customers, whether it's a two-man uh, M&A boutique through to the largest banks and the largest advisory firms and private equity firms. So, um, you know, we're seeing that in our own business, and I think you probably are seeing that in your business as well. So those three things together are creating uh, this accelerated digital transformation. And it's important to sort of say, okay, well, that's great. That's sort of analysty stuff, very well done. But actually, what does that mean for my business? And actually, you know, to, 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 to bring back in three examples that I've already referenced on the show, hop in Slack's, uh, Salesforce's acquisition of Slack and, and then loop up results and, and how that's doing, uh, just to demonstrate how this can really impact things more than you might realize. Um, you know, 
the hop-in, as I mentioned, is a business that didn't exist this time last year, and frankly wouldn't have worked this time last year because, because it wasn't needed. And you know, now it's a business with a huge valuation. Whether you believe that valuation is right or not, it is, as I understand it, generating uh, run rate revenues of 20 million uh, on a recurring basis, having started in the spring. So that's impressive by anybody's standards. So these new, comp new competitors in every part of the market are going to become evident. So if you're an established vendor, then you need to be looking out for those kind of things and understanding where they fit or might come along in your market. Salesforce buying Slack was a big boy move, as I said earlier. I totally get the strategic rationale. The point I want to make about that in this context is um, your competitors uh, might be doing similar things and they might make moves that catch you out, st striking strong strategic moves, potentially in an M&A sense, that leave you on the back foot, unless you really understand where you're going with your strategy and how this all plays out. And thirdly, now I'm not saying that, that what's happened to LoopUp is likely or what's happened to LoopUp's market in terms of the massive change in that collaboration space in the last 12 months is going to happen to that degree in many other markets, because it probably isn't. But the reality is, is that um, there will be, there are going to be very dramatic changes in most markets, and you're probably starting to see the early signs of that. But that's going to continue on for a good few years if if the if the the uh, if the last two kind of recessions that I've personally lived through uh, and the, this periods of disruption play out in a similar way, we've got a period now of two or three or four or five years of of, of rapid change. So, as we go into the Christmas break, just to pull this all together. The thing that I think that uh, management teams should be doing as soon as they come back after the Christmas break, if they haven't done it already, is really re-evaluating their end market, evaluating their product strategies, thinking about their business models, and thinking about whether they're, what they know about the market now compared to what they knew about it in January 2020. Is their strategy fit for purpose? Um, because if you don't do that, I think you are in danger of new uh, being uh, disrupted by new entrants into the market or potentially competitors that are more fleet of foot of you, potentially with striking corporate moves as we saw with, with Salesforce and Slack. So that's the thought I want to leave you with the last one of these uh, shows before we go into the Christmas break. Uh, it just leaves me to say, have a really happy Christmas. I think I can say that now because it's now December. Please stay safe over the Christmas break. Thank you, everybody, for your support during 2020. What a year it's been. Um, and myself and the whole of the Megabyte team wish you a happy Christmas. Look forward to seeing you in the new year. Thank you.